All right, so this week we are going to talk about church membership. Um, and uh, for most of you in here, I think most, if not all of you, uh, are, are members here. So um, at some point you've gone through the Connect classes and you've heard the, heard the, um, the appeal for, for membership. But what, uh, what sort of things come to mind when you hear or think about church membership? What are some... What are some things that you you think about when you hear church membership? I'm just curious. Okay, being part of a part of and committed to a local body. Committed. What else? Church family. Church family. Okay. You're you're joining a family. <laughs> you good? That's right. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's a really cool. Um, that's a really cool function of of the church too. Is they hear you know hearing someone's testimony and seeing their profession of faith and affirming them in membership is is an affirmation of their, um, you know, is is the church saying we affirm that we believe you to be a professing believer in Jesus, um, having heard your testimony. Um, and I've heard that before. It didn't sink in like mm-hmm. they're affirming, you know, mm-hmm. salvation. Yeah. 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 Um, why is church membership important? We're going to answer this question, but okay. To be part of a local fellowship. Okay. We're commanded to be part of a local fellowship. Mm-hmm. Can the church function as as a church if it doesn't have members? No. Maybe. Yeah, so I say yes because so some churches that we've been to in the past, like you cannot, you go to the worship team, you cannot participate in like these other things unless you're, until you're a member. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this is the first church I think I've been to that you were able to join the choir. Be, like you go to Sunday school, but that they don't count. Mm-hmm. I can't work with the kids until I'm officially a member. Mm-hmm. You can't to there. Mm-hmm. So. It still goes on. Like mm-hmm. people feel they do everything as if they were, and it's their natural success, which is sad. Okay. But I think you identify in order to be like, especially working children, don't you have to? Um, even if you weren't a member, you know, actual member, um, you would still have to go through the process of speaking with someone about your your faith. Right. Yeah, they want to hear who you are. Saved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't just want, even if you 
get a background check. That's not. That's kind of missing the point of working in children's yep. service. So. Yeah. But still, I can see where. Mm-hmm. I, I have been members of the church also. I remember a church that was like that. It, and you you couldn't even serve if you were married. Your husband had to serve with you, and you weren't allowed to serve. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we're kind of all all talking, you know, about the same the same kind of thing. We see in Romans 12, 4 and 5, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So as we join together as members of a church, we all have different functions. Some serve in some ways, some serve in other ways, some teach, some don't, some, you know, have um, other areas where they serve or other gifts that they offer. Um, But we all serve together and work together in one body in Christ. And so, um, you know, that's kind of the gist of it. Um, So the book defined local church as an assembly of specific Christians in a geographical area who are committed to gather regularly as, excuse me, as worshipers and witnesses of Jesus. So I'm read that again. An assembly of specific Christians in a geographical area who are committed to gather regularly as worshipers and witnesses of Jesus. So Scripture establishes the importance of belonging to a local church, um, and we see this in a number of what, number of areas in in Scripture. <clears throat> we see in Antioch in Acts 13:1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers: Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menin, a long life uh, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. You see it in Rome, uh, Romans 1, 7, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all of those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And we also see the region of Galatia, in Galatians 1-2, and all brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So there's multiple churches in Galatia. And then Revelation, of course, Revelation 2 and 3, we know the, the letters to the seven churches. We have Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, um, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So churches exist in, you know, there, there are multiple churches that exist in geographical areas that people can go to. And in some geographic locations, there are multiple churches in that geographic location because of the, the expanse of it. Um, and we see, that, we see that even still today, you know, where we have multiple, you know, Baptist churches. Or, you know, you just go, um, oh, I, I get a kick out of it. Um, you go down in, in, um, in Portsmouth, downtown, where like the um, Children's Museum is and stuff, and you'll see First Baptist Church, Second Baptist Church, Third Baptist Church, Fourth Baptist Church, you know, or you'll see multiple First Baptist churches depending on which you know denomination of Baptist they are, and so it's. But you you see multiple multiple churches in in the area, and they all have local bodies. They all are unique in their own um, makeup and, um, and how they function and how they serve and how they, they, you know, serve the community and do ministry. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. This is all working together, uh, to serve the, the, the universal church of, of Christians and, in Christ. So the New Testament doesn't recognize free agent Christians who roam around uncommitted to a local church. 
So why is this statement important? So the New Testament doesn't recognize free agent Christians who roam around uncommitted to a local church. Oh, that's true. <laughs> really, never really thought about that. Right. Or if they were roaming around, they had been sent by a church. I think it goes back to the baptism of the Lord's Supper and, uh, and how that shapes the, the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ad-libbing. That's fine. What, um, what are some things that could happen to a believer if they don't belong to a local church? Let's say they're maybe attending or they go to three or four different churches, just depending on which one they feel like going to that week. You know, what, what could happen to that believer if they're not committed to a, to a local body? They have no accountability. Okay. They kind of come and go as they, yeah. So they have no accountability. friend, a dear friend, we met at a support group that was taking place within a church out in California, and we both started going to that church, and she was very, um, I felt, grounded in her, her, uh, in her uh, faith with, with Christ, and I'm seeing more and more now on her Facebook posts because she's stepped away from that church, and she's kind of doing her own thing, and she's taking a little piece of this and a little piece of that, and... Um, <coughs> you know, kind of blending other religions, not mm-hmm. other churches, like uh, Christian churches, but other religions into her, <coughs> her um, walk, I guess you mm. could say, but I don't know that she's actually walking with Christ. I'm actually concerned about it. I'm mm. actually praying about how to yeah. reach out to her. So I think that, that right there is you know, also a big... Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a good illustration because... If she were connected to a local church and started bringing some of these different ideas from different religions or different different ways of thinking about things, that church could then say, "Hey, uh, you know, do some do some accountability there and say, hey, what are you, what are you, where are you getting this stuff? Like, let's let's kind of talk through some of this and um, dispel kind of some of the confusion that's that's here." Um, so that's definitely one thing uh, for sure is that the local church can, you know, through accountability and through teaching and through discipleship and fellowship and growing together and loving one another, you can, you can speak into each other's lives, especially if, if you're, you know, connected with, with people um, to say, hey, you know, I noticed this, this area or this thing in your life that, you know, you've given me permission to speak into and this is what I see. Um, let's let's talk through this and figure out how we can walk through this together to um, you know restore restore you. Um, Personal, mm-hmm. I felt alone. Like when we were stationed in San Antonio, trying to find a church, and then we were going to this one particular church for a while, but we weren't members. And then if we didn't show up for a while, no one really started to communicate. Like, are you okay? None of that. So I, we felt alone. Like mm. we needed to be committed to one church. Mm-hmm. To, expand our family and just I just think we alone out there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I I would, I would think it would be hard to, you know, if you did have questions, you know, and you weren't a member of a church, it, you, who would you talk to? 
you know, like you wouldn't have a, a pastor that you, you, you know what I mean, that you can go to like, oh, that's my pastor. He's the pastor of my church. You know, you wouldn't have somebody to go to and say, what does this mean? You know, can you help me walk through this? Can you help me, you know, do you have some resources on this issue that's going on in my life? I need some support. You know, those types of things. Um, Right. That's right. So, all good feedback. Um, those are great. Um, the book gawks through four different characteristics that describe the relational flavor of church membership. So, it's voluntary in that Christians willingly obey God, um, and they, they are God's call to unite with other believers. So, it's, there's a voluntary component to it. It's intentional. So you're intentionally building love and unity with other Christians, and it must be pursued and cultivated. So this, this idea of being intentional about cultivating these relationships with other believers. Um, there's accountability. So someone, not everyone in the church, but someone is going to be in your business um, to hold you accountable. And that's, that's usually a mutually agreed upon you know, relationship that you have with someone. It's not just hey, you're new, you just joined yesterday, here's some things that I see going on, like, you know, you don't know me from any, but that's not, that would, that would be very uh, counterproductive, I think. But these are, these are, you know, accountability relationships or accountability partners, whatever you want to call them. These are um, relationships that have been forged between two people um, or, or a group of people, and they have access, full access to each other at any time to, to check in and see how people are doing and you know, to, to live out accountability, to strengthen and sharpen one another, to help um, hold each other true to their faith and to, to help strengthen them through, through trials and, and temptations and things like that. And then you have, um, there's a commitment aspect. So, you know, churches are committed to one another and they are to be responsible for one another by God's grace. And so, you know, it takes work, it takes intentionality, it takes humility, and it takes an openness to be receptive to, to other people speaking into your life. So there are also eight key components of church membership, and we're going to walk through these, um, read through the, the scriptures that, that are here. Um, so we have membership strengthens assurance. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, while our assurance of salvation rests fully in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the testimony of the Holy Spirit, membership in a local church serves as an echo chamber of this good news because we're constantly preaching the gospel to one another. We're reminding each other of the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. We're reminding each other that our salvation rests in Jesus Christ alone and that there's nothing else um, that, that we can do that is able to get us to... Um, you know, to heaven. It is all fully in Jesus Christ. But the church helps remind us of that when we start to feel prideful, like, oh, you know, I did all these great things this week. Yay for me. The church is like, wait a minute. That's like filthy rags. You, you know, this is, it's all because of Jesus. So we see Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 1 John 4, 13 through 18, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, ab God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. 
We also see 1 John 5, 6 through 13. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Whoever has not believed God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, church membership affirms a believer's testimony of salvation through baptism into membership and participation in the Lord's Supper. So the the book took time to break down baptism. We went through that last week, but there's the physical baptism, you know, passing into the water, you're baptized into the universal church and you're upon your profession of faith that you are now a Christian. Okay? So you are but then there's that spiritual baptism as well that you are um you are professing this belief in Jesus to the local body, and there's something about that, you know, that action, that, that um, celebration, that the, the, the church is, you know, seeing you and affirming you in that, in that process. They're baptizing you because they believe that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so that church is um, basically affirming that, that, that decision that you've made by, by agreeing to baptize you. So a prerequisite for church membership is a credible profession of faith. You know, like we say this um, in, our, in our membership interviews. So when somebody's completed Connect class, they're assigned an elder, an elder will meet with them and talk with them. And um, one of the first things we do is, is say, hey, you know, the reason we're doing this is because we believe that the church is made up of Christians. And so before we present you for membership, we need to be assured that you're a Christian. So tell us your testimony. Tell us how you came to faith in Jesus. And, you know, and then we walk through it with him from there. Um, and so you have to be a Christian in order to be a member of a church. <laughs> um, the two have to go together. Um, and so this is why churches must remove this affirmation when a person repeatedly refuses to repent of sin through church discipline. So if somebody is, you know, caught up in, in, a, in a church discipline proceeding, procedure, proceeding, they're under church discipline and they're refusing to repent, they're refusing to admit any wrongdoing, they're refusing to um, make any change whatsoever, then, you know, the church must remove that affirmation from that person and say, we don't see any gospel fruit in your life. There's no repentance. So did you really repent in the first place? Did you really put your faith in Jesus or were you, you know, deceiving us? And so, you know, that's, that's certainly something that um, churches w- would have to take very seriously. Um, but we see Matthew 18. Everybody's familiar with this passage, but Matthew 18, 15 through 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. 
Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So there's this, almost this um, you know, solemn duty of the church, really, to, to kind of guard the, the church membership, um, to guard the flock you know, as, as, as a whole, um, to make sure that the, those that are members are um, indeed professing believers and they have a, a true, credible profession of faith. <clears throat> That's not to say people people are perfect. You know, we still sin, but you know, we still um, and we're still working through that together, and will be until you know the day Jesus comes back. Um, but it's important for the church to be able to to guard these things. Um, membership also clarifies who we gather with. So Hebrews ten twenty three through twenty five. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see it, the, uh, the day drawing near. So here we're, we're, we're told we're repeat, to repeatedly gather in a specific group of believers, with a specific group of believers, that is the local church, to encourage one another, fight sin together, and to love one another. Um, so that's another important reason for for you know, for, for putting um, or pursuing membership in a local body of believers. Um, membership in a church also cultivates love, as we see um, in 1 John 13, 34 through 35. Um, let me pull that up real quick. I can type that into my notes. So 1 John 13, 34 and 35. Is it John? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, so yes, thank you. Um, I typed that wrong in my notes. I appreciate that. Um, we are to be kind to one another. So, you know, membership, cultivating love, there's, there's things that we do. So we're to be kind to one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So be kind to one another. Um, we're to carry one another's burdens. As we see in Galatians 6.2, we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we walk through this together. Um, we walk through each other's burdens, we share one another's burdens, we minister to each other in our lows and our highs, we celebrate highs, um, but we also, you know, mourn when people mourn. You know, we, we, we walk through this together as a family. Um, we're to offer hospitality to one another, as we see 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So <laughs> we're to be hospitable without being grumpy about it. Uh, <laughs> I guess people can come over for lunch, I don't know. We're going to eat popcorn, but, um, but no, we're, we're to show hospitality to one another. Um, and then we're also to forgive one another, as Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So if God can forgive us, we can forgive others, right? Um, so a local church is to be marked by forgiveness. So we see Luke 7.47, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who, who is forgiven little, loves little. Local church is marked by patience. Romans 2, 4. 
Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And again in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We also see service and sacrifice. And John 3, 1 through 7, it's the story of Nicodemus when he's talking with Jesus and Jesus is telling him, you must be born again. And they go through this dialogue of what it means to be born again and, um, you know, being born of spirit and things like that. And then it ends with, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So there's this idea of service and sacrifice that goes into a local church as well. So despite our differences as people, what binds us together is our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is a common denominator in all of us. So as we're gathered together, we are all unique. We are all uniquely created. We are all uniquely gifted. We all come from different backgrounds, different walks of life. We've done different things. Um, you know, we've you know, but we're all broken. We're all in need of God's grace. And the one thing that unites us together is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is why we come together week after week and do what we do is because of the gospel. We feel that calling to go and make disciples that make disciples. And that's, that's important. Um, membership also helps clarify who we care for. Um, now, I, I read this chapter, this part of the chapter, and I, I, my, my antennas kind of went up a little bit. I was like, huh. And so, Christians should be good to all people generally. So, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, See that no one repays anyone for evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So, that's this idea that, you know, we are to love, love God, love others, right? We're to love all people at all times, you know, um, as in our core beliefs. Christians should be good to other believers especially. So Galatians 6.10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So while we are called to love everyone and to be, do good to one another, we're also called to do good to everyone, especially those in the church. And so, um, you know, to, to work together, to partner together um, to accomplish the mission of the church. So caring for our families isn't optional. First um, Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So caring for the members of our local church isn't optional either. So we are called to care for our families. We're called to care for one another, and we're also called to care for the local church. Matthew 25.31-46 uh, talks about the final judgment. Let me turn here. Um, so Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, and into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you, you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We also see in Acts one, or 6, 1 through 6, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number and compliant by the Hel- a complaint by the Hel- Hellenists rose, and the Hebrews, because of their widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, Is it not right that we should give up preaching or it is not right that we should give up preaching of the word of God to serve tables? Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon, Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And I apologize to them for butchering their names, but <laughs> did better than I did. <laughs> it's always fun. Um, so. You know, there's, there is this idea of being generous, being um, caring for one another. Um, but then there's also, a, you know, a warning here as well that withholding generosity is a serious sin because it forgets the generosity of Jesus. So in James 2, 14 through 17, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Then 1 John 3, 16-18, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Now, along with this, we also must be good stewards, right? Um, We're not called to be pushovers and taken advantage of. We have to be good stewards of what the Lord has given us. And we see in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 15, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary um, in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take, not, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. 
So we have to be good stewards of what we have, you know. And occasionally here at the church, we'll get we'll get people that come by that are in need of help. Um, I'll just say, for an example, people come by and say, "Hey, I need gas for my car." Okay, no problem. We'll take them down to the gas station, fill them up. You know, God bless you. We, you know, we'll meet meet that need. And generally, those people are really they're on empty. Like they make it there, and that's about as far as they were going to go. Um, but occasionally, they'll come back. You know, again, you know, and say, "Hey, you know, you helped me out last week. You know, can you help me out again?" And at that point, we kind of say, "Well." Maybe we'll put twenty dollars in your tank, you know, but we're not going to fill you up again, um, you know, because we have we have we have to steward what we have. We only have so much, and you know, we we need to be available to help as many people as we can. And so it tries to still help, but also deter to say, hey, this is you know, we're, this can't be a regular kind of thing. And occasionally we'll have to tell people like, this can't be a regular thing. Like we can't we can't keep doing this. Um, and people are, are generally okay with that. But that's, that goes along with stewardship and trying to, to steward what the Lord has given us so that we can make the biggest impact that we can. Um, and so um, that's just one example of, of um, how you can do it. But there's also this, this concept, this idea of when, when helping hurts. You know? And so um, a lot of times you know, the first thing people do when they, they encounter poverty is they, let's just throw a bunch of money at it. You know? And so... Um, that's, you know, you just give them the money and they'll, they'll be able to, you know, but if you don't, you know, help them, you know, manage what they, what they, you know, what they need, you know, how to put that money towards things that they, they need to, you know, survive and to do things, then it doesn't really help more than it, it hurts because people will, as people do, spend it on stuff that they don't need and spend it on stuff that doesn't help their problem. And then all of a sudden they've gone through all this money and they haven't, they haven't fixed their, their problems. And so you have to be wise in how to deal with that thing. So if there's, if there's a need, okay, you know, let's say your village is without water. Well, rather than throw a bunch of money at you, like, let's dig you a well and teach you how to, you know, maintain it and, you know, pump water. Um, and that's, you know, there's, there's different ways to, to look at things. Um, and so you have to be willing to kind of do the work and to, you know, get your hands dirty to help, um, help solve some of these problems. Um, we see in 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 16, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some, uh, to make some return in their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be in enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. 
So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. If, anyone believing, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So again, it's kind of this idea of um, going through triage, I guess, of seeing how, how the church can meet needs, how the church can um, really truly meet those who are without, uh, or meet needs for those who are truly without help um, in, in this, this context. Um, so it's just a good example for, for us um, as, as the church uh, to be mindful of and to, um, to practice wisdom when, when we're dealing with um, generosity and, and charity and benevolence. Um, membership is essential for pastors to be faithful. So Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as a point of clarification here, it keeps pastors faithful to caring for and reporting to the membership of the local church to which they're called. So membership is essential because it helps keep pastors on track. It helps keep them accountable. It helps them keep, um, keep on mission, but it also helps them um, remain um, committed to the, to the local church, to the membership of the church um, in, in um, shepherding the church. Um, membership also clarifies who Christians learn from. Each member should be able to learn from, an, from another member. Romans 15, 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. So as we have discussions and we learn, we're doing that with one another, right? We're teaching one another. We're learning from one another. Um, we're gleaning wisdom and insight from one another. Um, and so each member should obey and submit to the pastor elders of the local church. Church membership simply makes clear who the leaders are and what responsibilities the congregation has towards them. The congregation has the responsibility to select its leaders wisely. Um, so I thought there were some pretty interesting um, insights and um, pretty, some good, good words of wisdom there. Um, membership also fosters fruitfulness. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church membership helps Christians focus their ministry on a particular group of fellow believers whom the Lord has brought together. <clears throat> so it helps us work together to be fruitful in the ministry. And lastly, membership helps us fight sin and persevere in faith. Uh, again in Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the war on sin must not be fought alone. Um, as, as you were saying, you felt alone when you weren't connected to a local church. Well, enter the local church. The church can be a tremendous resource for fellow believers to help fight sin and temptation together. Um, you know, because we can speak into each other's lives. We can provide support. We can provide opportunities to, to help people um, fight temptation, to fight sin. 
James 5, 19 through 20, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So meaningful church membership models the love of Jesus who left the 99 to rescue the one who had wandered into sin. So the church, like I said earlier, helps guard the flock. So if one person walks away and somebody else goes after them and brings them back and restores them to the fold, um, they've, done a, they've done a great thing um, and have, have done their job as, as the church. Um, any, any thoughts on this before we, we break? So much scripture in, in this. That's not a bad thing, but there's, there's a lot of scripture. In, yeah. I think I really got into the meat and potatoes of you know, what its membership is and why it's important mm-hmm. to the local body. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of things here that, um, to me, that stood out that would be like, for, like the membership fosters fruitfulness. And I, just hearing about you know, the church members are commanded to think about, pray about, and intentionally find ways to cultivate fruit in each other's lives, that brought small groups to mind because mm-hmm. as churches grow, that's where your community is. Right. In that small group. And I think that's kind of a. I, I, do we do that enough in our small group? Is mm. what I was thinking. Mm. It's like, do we think about how serious this is that God commands us to to be uh, involved in each other's lives? Yeah. Enough to where, you know, we can be there to support one another. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, producing fruit. Right. Yeah, and that's where those four C's um, come into play with a, with a small group. Cultivate care, create, um, create community. Or, yeah, um, cultivate care, create community, um, connect others to ministry, and I'm blanking on the fourth. Um, it's, it's in there. Um, I just can't remember it off the top of my head. Jay would know. He's got those down like that. Um, um, but, uh, but yes, so... Um, Let's take five minutes, and we'll come back for some discussion, and um, we'll close it out this evening.